Hey everyone, welcome back. Before we get into the stories, I need to give some warnings. I need to give a warning for story number one, which mentions the murder of children. So you may want to avoid that one. And also story number three for sexual assault, which is also against a child. Yeah, there's some messed up stories in this one. So some of you might want to avoid it. All that being said, let's go ahead and get started. And remember, you can send your stories at southerncannibal.com if you ever want to share it. All that being said, let's get into the stories. And remember, to always stay hungry. Hey everyone, I'm on night shift tonight, so I figured I'd finally type this out. It's been ongoing for a few weeks, but it seems to be over now. I hope so at least. So I'm in between places to live right now. My old apartment got condemned, so I'm splitting my time between my brother's home and my boyfriend's home while trying to find an apartment. I'm a 24 year old female by the way. Unfortunately however, we're in a really hardcore housing crisis down here right now, so it's taking longer than I'd like. So my boyfriend has only been living here for a couple of months. He shares a yard with his neighbors, which is rented out by the same landlord. The neighbors really gave me no bad impressions at first. It's a husband, a wife, a daughter, and somebody whose relation to the family was never really made clear to me. He's a guy though, mid-40s. So the first thing that kind of got me thinking was the fact that their bedroom activities could be heard, like loudly. Anytime they were in the bedroom and we were outside, we could clearly hear everything. This wasn't a huge bother though. So anyways, one night around midnight, we could hear an actual chainsaw being used inside of their house, accompanied by screams. Well, my boyfriend had the brilliant idea to go over there, but I managed to convince him that we should just call the police. I don't really know what the outcome of that was, but the next day, we saw all of them at one point or another, and nobody seemed to have been hurt. The next thing I found to be strange was when the wife had come outside as I was leaving for work. She was wearing nothing but sweatpants. To make it clear, I saw titties. She just carried on doing what she was doing. The next thing, which seemed to be the final straw for my boyfriend, was when he and I were trying to sleep. They had randomly started stomping on the floor inside of their house and started chanting. I'm not really sure what they were saying, if anything at all, but he was getting restless. So the next day he went over to the husband and he then told them that they needed to keep it down. Both he and his wife were acting confused and they played dumb. My boyfriend jumped to the conclusion that they were definitely on drugs and I won't lie, so did I but they argued profusely that they didn't do any of that. Well, this verbal altercation lasted a few minutes before my boyfriend simply told them to stay on their side of the yard and to stay quiet. This lasted for a whole day before the wife had come outside wearing nothing but a sports bra and sleep shorts and then fell asleep by their fire pit. I'm a nurse by trade, so I went to see if she was okay and I found out that she wasn't even breathing. As you can imagine, I called 911. An ambulance came and got her, along with two of the others. 
who were also all unconscious inside of the house. I had remembered after all of this was settled that my boyfriend had said once upon meeting them that the wife had mentioned that all of their windows were unopenable. Well, they had suffered from carbon monoxide poisoning. None of them passed during this ordeal, thankfully. All three survived, but I haven't seen them since, and I highly doubt that they'll be back in the house. I guess what I'm trying to say is be safe and make sure that your house is up to code before you move in. We're currently in the process of having our own house checked, just to be on the safe side. Before starting my story, I want to say that I don't remember the exact names of the individuals involved here. However, it is public information, and it's been on the local Arizona news, so I'm sure you could find more information by looking up the details. I'm just sharing my own personal knowledge and memory from this incident, so some of the details may be slightly incorrect or have changed after some more info was released. About 10 years ago or so, something really tragic occurred within the neighborhood. My mom was visiting her boyfriend at the time at his house, and the next day I drove over to his house to spend some time with them. When I arrived, I noticed that the house across the street was totally blocked off with caution tape, and the police and news crews were swarming the area. When I got inside and talked to my mom, I asked what was going on, and I was shocked. Here was the story that she told me. The next-door neighbor was a quiet and kind Jewish man who lived with his wife and kids. I don't quite remember, but I believe he had two, a son and a daughter, who went to one of the best high schools in the county. His wife had worked a successful job, as he did as well. My mom has personally met him, and she would see him gardening in his front yard on occasion, and he genuinely seemed very sweet. Apparently, for whatever reason, Although we can theorize, the wife began to file for divorce. When it comes to the father, it was known that he recently discovered that he had a brain tumor. I'm not sure if this has contributed to his behavior here, but it's definitely haunting. One day his boss received a key in the mail from him, which was later to be discovered as the key to his home. Shortly after, early in the morning, the father woke up. He fatally shot his wife in bed, then he entered his children's rooms, and he did the same. After that, he wrapped them up in bed sheets, and he dragged their bodies into the garage, and he then loaded them into a van. He then locked all the doors, opened the garage door, and drove off. All of this occurred the morning before the police and news crews had arrived, all while my mom and boyfriend were across the street none the wiser. And no... They didn't hear any of the gunshots while they were sleeping. The father drove off and he ended up in a car chase with the police due to his neurotic driving. He began to head towards a deserted area out of the main suburb and pulled over. He then poured gasoline on the vehicle, setting the car on fire. Afterwards, he shot himself and he then burned with the bodies of his family. The story shocked everyone in our area. My heart really goes out to the loved ones involved, and of course, the tragic events that took the lives of the wife and children. But the most disturbing thing of all was that while he was killing his family, nobody knew. 
It was just another quiet night in another nice neighborhood. After my mom told me this story, I felt frozen in place and I couldn't take my eyes off the house. It felt so wrong to just go on with my day. As time passed, however, and the police and news left, I went home to my own house and returned a couple days later to visit. By now, the crime scene had been processed and the house had been cleaned. When I arrived again, it was dark and I had the most eerie feeling wash over me when I glanced at the house. Unlike the rest of the homes on the street, all of the lights were off on the porch and all the lights inside were off as well. All except one, that is. There was a window with blinds open in what looked like the bathroom and the light was still on. Perhaps it was left on by one of the cleaning people or the family who had come to take the belongings, but I was so disturbed by the feeling, and I couldn't help but think that someone might be inside. You truly never know people as much as you may think. On the outside, the father was just another friendly guy with a successful career, as well as a beautiful family. But when he got his brain tumor and his wife filed for divorce, he decided that he didn't want his family to move on without him. A tragic story indeed. Stay safe, everyone. My name is Ashley, but all of my friends call me Ash. And yeah, go ahead. Make all the Pokemon jokes you want. I've heard them all. Apologies for the lengthy story, but at the time, all this went down when I was 12. We lived in the upper Midwest in a small city that only had about 669 people, mostly retirees and older folk and the like. I've watched a lot of people come and go, some by moving out and some by the Grim Reaper's cold hands, and of course the creepy neighbor that I had to deal with for the last eight years. I don't even think the Grim Reaper would want to touch him with a 90-foot pole. My neighbor henceforth shall be known as Arthur which is not his real name. Arthur was around 40. He had blonde hair with the most intense icy blue eyes that I'd ever seen in my life. It was like someone had carved chunks of ice right into his eyeballs and then put them into him. If it wasn't for the fact that he was mega weird and for what he did, honestly, he'd be like someone's really hot dad that you hear about in those semi-cringe covers of the fan parody of Stacy's mom called Stacy's Dad. He was married, and he had three kids, one of whom I was friends with, and we'll call her Jackie. So one day Jackie and I were at her house playing Mario Kart, and Arthur walks into the living room, and he starts to yell at Jackie about having the volume up way too loud, while her brother Max was napping. He stops mid-yell when he then sees me turning the volume down. I look at him, and I then say, Sorry sir, we'll try and keep it down. Sorry again for that. He looks me up and down, and I kind of just blush, since I'm wearing my favorite tank top that I made myself, and jean shorts. He then turns and says to me, You like WWE? I said that I did, and he asked me which wrestler is my favorite. I told him that it was AJ Styles, since I made my tank top from a duplicate short sleeve shirt that I'd gotten for Christmas. He smiles, and he then says, You know, maybe you can stay the night. It is a Friday night after all. 
and he may be wrestling in a match tonight on SmackDown. We can watch it together. I politely declined, and I said I had to go. Jackie gave me a weird look, but I said my goodbyes and headed for the door. Suddenly, I then heard Arthur say behind me, Don't I get a goodbye? I just exited and ran all the way to my house, which was two streets down. About a week went by, and the next Friday after school, I had found a strange package on our porch stoop, and it had my name on it. It didn't look like the Amazon boxes my mom would get from time to time. No, it was just an ordinary cardboard mailer box with my name on it. It had my name in Sharpie, and no return address or any indication of who sent it. I'd showed it to my mom when she got home from work, and she told me to open it to see what it had inside. I did, and inside was an autographed 8x10 picture of AJ Styles and another shirt. This was the black and red Phenomenal Forever shirt like the one he wore while on Monday Night Raw while competing for the USA title. It was similar to the blue one and my custom tank top. I was floored by this. I then noticed a folded piece of printed paper with my name on it. I then opened it, and it read, I hope you like the gift, sweetie. Hopefully we can meet sometime. And a little heart written in red pen. I was confused, and a little bit creeped out. I put the box with the shirt in my closet, and I'd put the note in a file folder, which I named Weird Letters from Stalker. I chuckled at my own childish title for the folder, but little did I know, I was right about that title. About three days later, I saw yet another package. I opened it, and I saw another picture, but this one had been created in Photoshop. It was a picture of me in my blue Phenomenal Forever tank top and jean shorts with AJ holding me to his side, and we were smiling for the camera that was supposedly taking the picture. The note this time then said, I can get you a meeting with AJ if you want. I want to make all your dreams come true, sweetie. But I will soon. I shuddered. I had placed this note with the first one, as well as the picture that was placed in the box in my closet. The letters had stopped for a little while, and I thought it was over. But about a month later, I received a letter and another package from my stalker. The package this time was one of those flat letter envelopes, and inside was another picture of me and AJ. But this one is our heads photoshopped on a picture of a man and woman having explicit sex and a pair of boxer briefs with white stains on them. No prizes for anyone who guesses what the white stains are. I looked at the note. What it said made me want to puke and my blood run cold. Why don't you like my gift, sweetie? I'm going to make you mine. I'm coming for you and you can't do anything about it. I think I actually screamed. I was home alone, and my parents had gone to see friends in the next town over and celebrate the wife of the friend's birthday. I told them I would be okay, but I wasn't. I heard someone knocking at the door, and when I went to check who it was, lo and behold, it was Arthur. He had actually managed to then break into my house. In a panic, I dialed 911 letting them know I had very little time and explain what was going on as best as I could and that they needed to send the police out immediately. I then ran to my room and I locked the door, 
trying to buy some time until the police showed up. Arthur eventually made it to my room, however. Once he broke in, it was like I was in a scene of my very own horror movie. He looked like one of those axe murderers that enter a house and do unspeakable things to the plucky heroine before she's maimed or killed. He then grabbed me and dragged me, kicking and screaming by my hair. He told me how he had many plans with me, things that I would never consent to. But just as he was about to have his way with me, a miracle happened. I heard the sirens coming down my street. The police had arrived. Shortly after, I heard them busting inside the house and shouting, Police! Is anyone here? I screamed for help, letting them know that we're upstairs and that he's trying to rape me, all while Arthur is trying to cover my mouth with his hands as I do so. The police officers came charging in, and Arthur tried to escape out of my bedroom window. But he didn't get near it enough before he was tackled, then restrained and taken away. My parents rushed home immediately, and they were told everything when they got there. Arthur was charged with attempted sexual assault on a minor, as well as many other things that I can't really remember. After a long, drawn-out trial, he was eventually sentenced to prison. My friend Jackie claimed that she had no idea that her dad was such a sick fuck, but just a week after the events of that night, she stopped talking to me entirely, blaming me for the fact that she lost her dad. She also claimed that everything that happened to me was all lies, and that her dad would never do those things. I didn't even care. The way she spoke to me and blamed me for her creepy stalker dad? Really? With a friend like that, who needs an enemy? I'm doing a little better now. I've been to counseling, and I've slowly been getting over the nightmares and the fear of being home alone. Moving to the southeastern part of the U.S. has helped out a lot. I still love the WWE and AJ Styles, but I still get chills thinking about what could have happened to me because of my creepy fucked up and revolting neighbor. Here's some information to put my story in place. When this happened, I was 28 years old. I had moved into a duplex apartment on the second floor. The apartment was in a quiet neighborhood in Quebec City, Canada. The old lady on the first floor was really nice. She was 87 years old, and her children, who were the landlords, came each day to check on her, as well as take care of the property. Watering the plants, flowers, mowing the lawn, etc. I was feeling pretty safe in this area, as a woman. Quebec City is a really safe place in general, but some bad things have happened here just like anywhere else. So, in the first week of my moving there, I had met my new neighbor. Let's call him Joe. Joe seemed to be around 50 years old. He was a little bit overweight, and he then approached me while I was cleaning my car. Our parking lots were literally like right next to each other, separated by tiny bushes. The conversation then went like this. Hey, I'm Joe. You just moved in? I replied back with, Oh, hi, yeah, I'm Catherine. How are you? And the discussion continued like normal, until he then said, So, you're a judge? I didn't understand the question at first, but then I remembered that I had talked with the other neighbor, and I told him I was a paralegal. 
so I then explained it to him, and he laughed. It was at this moment then I realized that this neighborhood was pretty chatty. A couple of weeks go by, and Joe seems to always be outside whenever I arrive in my car. Every time I park and get out of my car, he's there. I think he must have felt pretty lonely and just wanted to talk or something. But for me, I thought it was really weird that every time I got to my apartment at 9pm, Joe's always there outside in his parking lot. He would always say hi to me, as if he just always wanted to check on me. One time he asked me, Hey, do you want to come see my tomato plants? You have tomatoes too, I think. We can drink a glass of wine. What do you prefer, red or white? He gave me such weird vibes, and I didn't want to go. I was feeling so uncomfortable, and I didn't know what to say. I told him red, and I then ran to my door, thinking that he would go away at this point. One time I was sleeping, and I had heard a knock on my door. I wasn't expecting anyone, so I didn't want to go see who it was. But afterwards, I thought that maybe it could be the landlord, so I got up to see who it was. It was Joe. He then said to me, The window of your car is open, and it's raining. I told him thank you, even though I was still feeling uncomfortable. There was also this one time that really scared me. Joe was living at the second floor in the duplex apartment right next door. His tiny window would face my kitchen window. And unfortunately, I just didn't really have the time to install a curtain. So while I was doing my dishes, I turned to grab some glasses on the counter, and I could see that Joe was staring at me through his window. He wasn't moving at all, just staring at me. I had a damn panic attack. I actually went and hid in the living room. I managed to call one of my friends, and she came over, and she helped me install a sheet for the night on the window. I didn't sleep at all during this night. After that, in the following weeks, I didn't really remember seeing Joe that much. Whenever we would see each other, he'd just say hi to me, and I was really relieved that that's all that happened. So let's skip forward a little. About a year passed, and it was now summer. I was leaving my apartment to go to the grocery store, and I met Joe while I was walking. He said, Hey, I'm going to be moving. I'm sorry I won't be here to protect you anymore. I responded back with, Um, protect me from what? You know, the guys who live on the first floor. They're not murderers, but... And he said nothing more than that. We said goodbye, and that was it. About a week later, I had arrived from work, and there was a paper bag in front of my door. I took it and opened it, and it was a little bottle of wine from Joe, with a note on it. I'm so glad that I got to know you. It's really sad that we never got to enjoy our glass of wine. Now you can. Take care. I threw the wine in the sink. So after all this time, I guess he had never once forgot about the wine. Nothing else really happened aside from that. I know this may not be that scary to a lot of you, but I just didn't reciprocate the same feelings that he did, and his behavior just really creeped me out. Wherever Joe is now, I hope he's happy, but I really don't want to see him again. 
I just want to live in peace without anyone bothering me or creeping me out. Stay safe out there, everyone. A bit of context first. My cat likes to go outside every day. In the morning, he follows us to the door, takes the elevator down with us, then goes about his day outside until we bring him back home again in the evening. Now, my cat isn't the most punctual guy, so it's pretty common for him to stay much later in the neighborhood, sometimes well into the night or for several days, or he gets bored and doesn't play for more than two hours and wants to get back inside. The problem is that we're not home, so he just has to wait. My family and I live in an apartment on the first floor, so my cat's solution is to sit under one of our balconies and meow at the top of his lungs to get our attention. When we're home, it works perfectly fine, but when we're not, it's a lot less effective. So our solution was to gently ask our neighbors that have the key to our apartment to bring him up so he doesn't have to wait outside all day. Those that don't have the key sometimes let him inside the building so he's not literally outside. For example, when it's raining. Our apartment is a bit special because it's bigger than the others. So to get inside, there are two ways when you get into the main hall. One, take the stairs to the left and open the door that has two locks. Two, use the elevator with the special key that goes directly inside our apartment, and the door only has one lock. The cat used the second option, and me too, because we're both lazy. But when the neighbors that don't have the key let him inside the building, he goes up the stairs and waits. Since I usually use the elevator from the parking, two floors below, that means I don't see him waiting in the hall, and he meows outside the door to get me to open up for him, or my dad and mom. All around, we have our habits with my parents and neighbors, and it works fairly well. Now you know how everything goes with my little guy. Anyway, here's what happened a while ago. My parents like the outdoors very much, so I'm usually left alone in the weekends. Generally, it means taking care of the chores and inviting my friends over so we can have the apartment to ourselves, which is pretty nice. This time I was alone. It was late, 11 p.m.-ish, and I was just chilling in the living room before hearing me yowling over the sound of the TV. Someone let my cat in the building, and he's waiting outside the door. I took my keys, and I started opening the first lock. I don't know about other pet owners, but I know that my cat meows by heart. It's kind of a rising meow that's very high-pitched and very cute at the same time, and that also has a specific rhythm because I've been hearing it nearly every day for five years. So I stopped. The noise isn't what it usually is. It's too deep and just... off. This isn't my cat outside my door, and he's the only cat around that knows he has to wait by the door and scream to be let inside. By that point, I'd stopped halfway through opening the door, and I waited to hear him again, and I noticed scratching. My cat never scratches that door. At that point, I'm super weirded out by the situation, but the meowing is getting super loud, and I didn't want the neighbors to be woken up. So I continued with my key, but suddenly, I hear another noise that freaked me out. A cough. For the record, I'm not a very cautious person, and in my whole 21 years of living in this apartment, 
I must have looked in the peephole a total of maybe five times, but a small part of my brain told me to do it that night, and thank God it did. So I let go of my keys, and I put my eye against the door, and I saw it. A man standing there, fucking meowing in front of my door. To say that I was terrified is really an understatement, but my heart stopped. I just stood there petrified for what felt like an hour. I don't really know how long it took for me to move again, but eventually my body just took over, I guess. I did what you'd expect, ran for my phone, stood in the corner of the living room, and I called the police. By the time they came, there was nobody in front of the door. I can't even remember when the meowing stopped, and they just took my testimony before telling me to be cautious, and then they left. To this day, I still don't know what the meowing guy wanted. I'm not sure I want to anyway. I also don't know how he got inside the building, since you need a key to access it, and also how he knew that I would open the door if he imitated my cat in front of it. At least I will be careful from now on. Ah, and my cat eventually came back since then. He's actually sleeping in my bed as I write this.